0: Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Basar Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. It's so good to be in the house of God. I hear it's Bree's birthday today. Happy birthday to Bree. She serves in our uh, show outside school hours care. Hey, When we were worshipping before, wasn't that fun in church? Church is meant to be fun. We found out who the fit ones were today in church. But hey, our theme for 2023 is free in 2023. Freedom in our lives, our souls, and our hearts. And when we were worshipping and praising God, the Lord reminded me of the scripture out of Psalm, I can't remember what one, 22 I think it is, that God inhabits the praises of his people. When we open our hearts in praise, his presence can't resist coming and joining with us in a fresh, powerful way. And I was just worshipping God, and I, I saw as, the, as the, the young and not so young were running around the church, I felt the Lord say, hey, I'm here and I'm just walking up and down the aisles, touching and blessing people's lives. And then he said something quite crazy. He said, some people just need to take a step of faith today. And I want to pray right now. There's people here, Something shifting off of your life. There's There's a shift happening. And we're going to talk about spiritual armor and how we're going to live in his authority today. But there's a shift happening and There's people here that you need a miracle in your body. You need a breakthrough in your family today. And I'm going to invite you, if you're able to, to take a step into the aisle. And we're going to believe for a a supernatural work of God's grace. If you're in the middle and you can't get to the aisle, just do a 360 turn and say, God, I'm turning to you today. So if you want to just step into the aisle, if you say, hey, I need a miracle, I need a breakthrough. God, something's happening, but I want to just take a hold of it today. Come on, let your faith rise. Sometimes you just got to physically do something to position yourself in the place of God. Maybe it's a breakthrough in your ministry. Maybe it's a breakthrough, something to shift in your household. There are unsaved loved ones. You say, God, the more I pray, the worse it gets. Hey, the battle's increasing, but God's reaching hearts. Come on, reach out right now. If you can't get to the aisle, I want you to just do a 360 in your seat, wherever you are, as I start to pray. Say, God, I've positioned myself for you. Come on, reach up to heaven right now. There are miracles in the house today. There is breakthrough happening. He inhabits the praises of his people. Lord, right now I take authority in your name for miracles and breakthrough. God, you're shifting the atmosphere. You're moving people's bodies into a place of freedom and healing. Lord, I thank you for your breakthrough right now in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for your healing grace in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you would break through in Jesus' mighty name. Set captives free. Lord, I see darkness lifting. I see depression lifting. Lord, I see I see addictions breaking right now. Lord, I see them losing their hold. I see mindsets changing right now. I thank you right now. Walk down these aisles and touch everyone with your healing grace right now. Lord, I thank you for that throat, that throat condition being set free today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I see that growth behind the ear right now dissolving in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those stomach problems right now being released over people's bodies. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Cancer, you must leave in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for your breakthroughs, for those breathing difficulties right now in those lungs. I thank you for clearing those lungs, for freedom to breathe deeply right now in Jesus' name. Just take a deep breath, one or two breaths now, and say, God, I receive all you have for me. Yeah. Oh, you're the breath of God. We just receive your grace and healing power. Lord, I thank you today that you are setting captives free. You are strengthening us to live in victory. We are overcomers in you in Jesus' mighty name. Let's give a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want you to talk and let let us know what's happening in your life. There's miracles happening. Breakthroughs happening. Send us an email. Send us a text. Grab us after church. Let's take our seats. God bless you. Really encourage anyone that's interested in being part of a team to come tonight. God's put a word in my heart, and it's mid-year update. It's the middle of the year, so we need to get stirred up for the run home to Christmas, and uh, we're going to see God do some incredible things. We've been talking about spiritual armour and the authority of the believer the last couple of times I've preached. I want to pick that up today because we need to be prepared. I've got something underneath here. Okay. We're prepared today. Okay, any sportsman who's going to play a game of sport gets prepared. Whether you're playing netball, you make sure you've got the right shoes on. If you're out playing cricket... If you're doing a racing car thing, they put helmets on, they put shoes on, they put the right outfit, the uh, uh, inflammable uh, proof outfits, and, and God wants us to be prepared. Now, it'd be crazy if you went out to play football in your pyjamas with, with no shoes on. You'd think, how crazy would that be? The rest of the team would kick you off, saying, hey, you're going to get injured in the first 30 seconds, and the coach would ban you. Demote you? And yet how often in life do we head out in our daily Christian journey and we're not equipped and we're not prepared and we haven't put on our spiritual armour, we haven't put on the helmet of salvation to cover our minds, we think, oh, it's okay, I got blessed at church last week so I'm just going to run in the overflow. Footballers don't do that. Say, I was dressed last week but I forgot my boots today so that's okay. It doesn't work that way, does it? And yet some of the Christians, we get lazy, we get complacent, or we just don't realize how much we need to get ourselves sorted. Romans 8.37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death Nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And uh, last week we started on Ephesians 6 on the spiritual armor. So we want to have a look at that again and pick it up and uh, do that. Ephesians 6.10 says, In conclusion... Be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from Him, and be empowered through your union with Him. And in the power of His boundless might, put on the full armour of God. And Paul was writing this probably from prison, chained to some Roman soldiers all kitted out in their gear. And this is what he saw the Roman soldiers dressed in, and he put it into spiritual reality. He said... um, "...put on the full armour of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armour of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places." Therefore, put on the complete armour of God. Don't go out to, to do life in your pyjamas. Make sure you put your shoes on. Make sure you put your helmet on. Make sure you you're your, your ready and dressed. Put on the complete armour of God so that you'll be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand firm in your face, faith, fully prepared, immovable, Victorious! So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the the, uh, wide band of truth, personal integrity and moral courage around your waist, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart, having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion, and every season, in the Spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. Amen. I'm going to take this off because I can't see through the grill. I don't know how they play in those things, Peter. Riley's a... Awesome cricket. You, you wear a helmet when you play? Sure does. Hey, that's good. Don't know how you see through the grill, though. <laughs> hey, the church needs to be armed with all the spiritual weaponry at our disposal. Today, we re- we're reminded that praise is a great spiritual weapon. Do you know the joy of the Lord is your strength? It's a weapon. When you lose your joy, you lose your strength. And uh, praise and prayer And God wants us to live in a place daily of victory. You don't just get dressed in your your footy gear and stay in it all winter. It gets tired, torn, worn out, not alone very smelly. So every day you've got to be refreshed and renewed in our spiritual armour. Paul delivers a military command in Ephesians 6.13. He declares that in the light of the great wrestle with powers and principalities, We must put on the whole armour and weaponry of God. The words put on um, in the Greek means to seize it. Don't just casually put it on, but to seize it. Intentionally put it on. Make sure it fits well. That helmet, I didn't have it strapped up. You've got to make sure it fits well for you. Not like uh, uh, Saul tried to put his armour on David and he couldn't walk. It was too big. Don't try and put on someone else's arm and say, well, I'll pray like them or I'll praise like them. Some people today praise with their hands raised. Some people wanted to run in victory around the place. Others just reverently lifted their hearts in adoration to God. Some were playing their instruments. Others were clapping and shouting. Others will quietly meditate. It's okay. God gives you the victory through the weapons that suit you, your personality, your level of spiritual faith. We learn from one another, but don't try and be like others. Let his grace flow through you divinely designed to fit you perfectly. And it goes on and he says to be fully armed and dangerous. There's a sense of urgency in this command to seize it. Many see see this word to withstand like people bracing themselves for a cyclone from hell or some attack at them. But the word actually means it's not a word of defense, but it's to withstand, which describes a forceful, even militant, leaning forward in defiance against forces and powers. Hey, don't be on the defense all the time. We're overcomers. Pray from a place of victory, not defeat. Praise from a place of freedom and overcoming, not hoping something might happen, because faith sees it happening in the spirit. So let's go through these today. We mightn't get through them all, but let's start the belt of truth. It's interesting you'd start with the belt, not the helmet or the breastplate. But Paul says the belt of truth. This is the first piece of weaponry that Paul speaks about: is the belt of truth and integrity, personal integrity, moral courage. For the soldier, the belt was central and vital. It secured his breastplate and carried the weight of his weaponry. So it wasn't just like a belt we have to make sure our clothes don't fall off and, uh, and hold together. This was an essential part of their weaponry. And it's where their uh, breastplate and carried the weight of their weaponry. His sword and dagger hung from its belt. The sword was also worn on the right side with the scabbard fixed on his left. His shield was supported from his belt on the long marches, because those shields were heavy, with its weight taken on the hips. As he marched, the weight of his equipment was supported by this seemingly insignificant piece of armour. It was the central piece of armour. So how does the belt relate to us today? Jesus declared he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's the belt of truth and integrity that comes to an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's the center of total integrity before God and people. Upon this total honesty, we can bear the burdens of patient endurance and carry our weaponry. Integrity, moral courage, honesty, authenticity, all of those things, if you don't have that, you're going to trip up. You're going to face challenges and be overcome. It's the belt of a faithful, honest foundation that comes through wanting to please our Lord in every area of life. If this belt is not in place, nothing else holds together. Wow. Some weapons of the Bible use the words, the belt girds our loins. The King James, others girds our loins. We don't use the word loins very often, but that's the word. And it's interesting, from the... Front of the Roman belt hang four thick leather leather straps with metal studs to protect the soldier's loins or their uh, private parts, their sexual parts. Those who have played competitive sport will know that a solid blow in this area can leave a grown man doubled up in agony. We've seen that occasionally. And uh, yes. In the heat of battle, the soldier is effectively protected by these leather straps. The loins also speak of the sexual side of our lives. The Christian warrior must have mastery in this area, both in his mind and actions. How often have we seen leaders and giants in the faith taken out of the battle through moral failure? Christian friends that have struggled enormously if they don't find victory and a way to master their God-given sexual desires for intimacy and marriage, if that's out of order, it can cause great destruction to our lives and many others. Christians can be drawn away from their faith and families by the lusts of the flesh. God says, hey, put the belt of truth on. Have his integrity over our lives in every area. The belt of truth could also be called the belt of integrity and humility. Pride certainly causes a loosening of the belt and is often the first step to tragedy. If someone doesn't prepare themselves well and runs out in the footy field and hasn't tied up his bootlaces, guess what? He's going to trip over them. He's going to uh, uh, maybe lose his boot and then he can't run effectively. If you don't secure your helmet, you dodge quickly and it's going to fly off. It's ineffective. So God wants us to make sure we prepare ourselves well, not in a religious way but in a diligent, guarding, being aware in our lives. And as spiritual um, activity increases like it is in our nation, there's a lot of darkness, but God's raising up a standard. When there's more and more spiritual activity, you've got to be more and more alert. Not afraid, just alert. Aware, led by the Spirit to see what's happening in the Spirit realm, in us, around us. And then be prepared with the right weapons to break through and overcome. Pride certainly causes a loosening of the belt, is often the first step to tragedy. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says... Pride goes before a destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. You're going to have the most successful business person. You're going to have the most successful person in sport but, or a team. But when they start to boast and get proud, you know it's only a matter of time before they fall. It might be months or a year or two, but if they don't stop that, they're going to fall. Christian leaders, even ministries, I've seen people become proud in their ministry when it's God's ministry flowing through you. It's a dangerous place and God gives us opportunities to come and surrender. So the the girded belt of integrity holds our Christian life together, especially on the field of battle and ministry. So number one, the belt of truth. Number two is the breastplate of Righteousness. This was over their their heart and a strong metal breastplate to protect them. It means an upright heart. Isaiah fifty nine seventeen says he put on righteousness as his breastplate, and the helmet of salvation on his head. The breastplate speaks of our righteousness coming through the intimacy of our relationship with the great savior and general of our souls. This gleaming, polished piece of defensive armor speaks of the radiated glory of His presence shining through us and out of us and wrapping us about with great protection. The tangible manifested presence of His love and power brings certainty and protection on the battlefield of life. We are clothed in Christ. Wow, what a beautiful thought that is. And that's a spiritual reality. Every day, Lord, I thank you that you've clothed me in your power. What did Jesus say in Luke 24, 49, the last recorded words of Jesus on earth before he took off to heaven? That was amazing. I was reading it again this week. He's teaching them. And the next minute he just takes off. It says they were left standing staring in the sky. I don't know how long. I reckon they were there for a long time thinking, you're coming back? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's happened? But these are the last words Jesus said before he took off to the Father because he'd finished his work on earth. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Be clothed with his presence and power every day over our lives, over our hearts. We've been clothed, immersed and saturated into a clothing of divine power. The Apostle Peter wrote that we are guarded or garrisoned by God's power through faith. We have put on the breastplate of righteousness and garrisoned and clothed in his own beautiful presence and power. And when you're walking in his presence and power, you're not invincible, but you feel confidence and courage and faith. You can be walking into some crazy situations in this life, potentially dangerous, emotionally charged negative atmospheres and you can just walk in carrying the powerful presence of God because when you walk in with Jesus in your life the atmosphere shifts and changes don't be afraid of what the enemy does they should be afraid of what Jesus does through you see that's where God wants the body of Christ to be in our God-given authority not bowed down by fear saying, oh, I can't face this. Hey, as you're clothed with Christ and his power, you walk through life with a confidence, not pride, but a boldness and a confidence that gives you courage to face whatever is coming your way. And we put on that breastplate of righteousness. For the Roman soldier, the breastplate protected the vital organs of his body, his heart, lungs, stomach, Liver, spleen, kidneys, intestines, and whatever else is inside there. All the doctors can help us out with the rest. (coughs) So the breastplate covered all those essential um, organs of their life from attack when they were in in battle. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. One of the versions says, For out of your heart are the issues of life. We have to guard our hearts. Now, we need to guard our physical heart by eating well and resting and doing all that and making sure we don't let unforgiveness destroy us because that will just drain and destroy your soul. But we need to guard our spiritual heart, our attitudes, our perspective. Make sure we're facing the right direction. Let Don't let stuff get inside us. You've got to guard your heart. I remember years ago, Marilyn and I were... We'd ministered to this couple and they got radically converted in our church. I was doing a great work in life, but they had, there was some mental health challenges and other stuff. And they were having strife and they wanted to see us. So we caught up with them having a great chat about what God was doing in their life. And then in the middle of the conversation, I remember so clearly the Holy Spirit said, put up the shield of faith and guard your heart. Just like that. It was just a, a few seconds. And all of a sudden, the conversation changed, and they just turned and attacked us and said, you didn't help us enough, and you didn't sort out our marriage, and you didn't. it was like arrows. These people just changed in front of us, I'm thinking, whoa. I've never forgotten that, because it was like the Holy Spirit warned me just a moment, seconds, to guard my heart. And, uh, it was my, and Mary Lynn didn't get that bleep, and she ended up getting whacked with a few words, and then I said, hey, hold on, stop, stop, stop. I thought it was a lesson. I'll never forget. It, it was so clear. He said, guard your heart right now because there's some arrows of accusation coming that you don't need to allow to get into your heart. They will come through people and by the lies of devil, But if you've got your breastplate of righteousness, you stand right in Jesus, not arrogant. You're prepared to be teachable. But when arrows come of words or accusations of condemnation and guilt and shame, you don't have to let them get inside your heart. They might mess with your head for a while and you've got to process them and then cast them out in Jesus' name. So I'm not going to dwell with that because that's not the truth. I always always ask the question, Jesus, what's the truth about this person, these words, this situation? And he'll show you because he's the spirit of truth. But it's so easy for that to get in. And it was like those words just bounced off me. And I was to say, hey, no, that's not true rattled me for a moment but it didn't get inside here and then I was able to pray for them and then it was their choice of what they did with their future our hearts need to be soft to others and caring but so often the heart can be tragically damaged by thoughtless words and attitudes we've all been there and hopefully we haven't been the one throwing the words or arrows Many newer Christians have been damaged by hurtful and judgmental words, accusations, and in seeing hypocrisy in leaders and other Christians. Well, you're a Christian and you do that. I don't want to be a part of it. That's a a trap of the enemy, but we need to walk with grace and grow into maturity. An unguarded heart can be irreparably damaged. The breastplate of the Roman armor was not just for protection, but was also intimidating to the enemy. The constant polishing of the armour was part of their strategy. The legions of Rome marching on their field of battle with the sun shining and flashing its reflected rays off the highly polished shields and helmets would have been a spectacular and very intimidating sight to any enemy. They polished their breastplate of righteous and their helmets. We are God's mighty army, And we should move forward in unity and shine the light of heaven against the schemes of the enemy. What's Isaiah 61 and 2 says? Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. Wow, this could have been written today, but this was written many centuries ago by Isaiah. Darkness covers the earth. The earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. So many people just don't know which way's up anymore. Their thinking is confused and overwhelmed and values are challenged. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. So don't be intimidated by darkness. We have the light of the glory of Jesus in our lives. So when you walk into a difficult family situation, don't go in thinking, oh, how am I going to cope? Lord, show me how I can influence this darkness, shift the atmosphere, sow a seed of truth, pray a prayer that's going to cause a fleeing of darkness and an openness for people to receive the truth in their lives. That's the weapons that we have. It might look like a defensive weapon, but in God, the defensive weapons become powerful attacking weapons when the light of God's presence flows through us. Darkness flees. Because darkness is often just the absence of light. So when you bring light in, I've never yet, when I go into a dark room and and turn the light switch on, I've never heard darkness saying, no, I'm not leaving. (laughs) Have you? So you turn the light switch on, light comes on and darkness flees because it's the absence of light. Don't get confused by that. Yeah, the enemy is real. He has weapons. But let me tell you, the light and the authority of Jesus is so much more powerful. It's the absence of light. We pray against the strongholds in darkness. Yes, we need to. But I think there's a whole lot more Christians just need to turn a lot more lights on and our nation will change. Yes, there is times to bind and loose and take authority. But I reckon if our lives were shining Jesus more, there's a whole lot of darkness. We'd just be fleeing across our land because of the authority of Jesus Christ. Shine for Jesus. When God's people are advancing in unity and power and backed by the great prayer, the gates of hell cannot stand against his advance. Matthew 16, 18 the message says, This is the rock in which I'll put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Wow, I, hit, I took too many Christians and they feel we're under attack all the time and I've just got to survive. Hey, there are seasons, there are evil days. But God says, come on, pray from a place of authority and victory, not a place of defeat. God says, come on, stand up, let the light start shining. Let the belt of truth protect you. And God's there to help us. Let's go to number three, which is the shoes of the gospel of peace. Why on earth would God call it the shoes of the gospel of peace? When I go into a footy game, I've got spikes on. When I'm running, I've got spikes on. They're not peace shoes. They're action shoes. But God says, and we need to realize what this says, to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. The word peace in Hebrew is shalom. Shalom, the word means much more than peace. It means wholeness, wellness, well being, safe, happy, friendly, favour, completeness, to make peace, peace offering, secure, to prosper, to be victorious, to be content, tranquil, quiet, and restful. Did you get all those? Emma was typing them down. I bet she didn't get them all. (laughs) Hey, when God talks about peace, it's a powerful word. It's not just a tranquil, hey, I'm at peace in my soul and we're sitting watching the sunrise or sunset. That's one part of peace. But peace is at rest in God, whether you're in the midst of battle, whether you're in the midst of waiting and frustration. Peace is a gift from God. Romans 16.20, I've mentioned this many times. It's one of my favourite verses in the Bible. And the God of peace will swiftly pound Satan to a pulp under your feet... And the wonderful favour of Lord Jesus will surround you. Well, God's got a different idea of peace than we have. When you're at peace, it's a weapon because the enemy's not messing you up with fear, anxiety, discouragement, doubt, conflict, guilt, shame. When you're at peace, those we- those tools, the enemy cannot reside. They bounce off because your heart's at peace. And, no, I'm not going to worry because I know God's got it. I know I'm righteous in Christ, so therefore I don't, Need to let shame destroy my thinking and my identity. You see, peace becomes a weapon when we understand who we are in Christ and we exercise our authority by declaring the word of the Lord. Isaiah 52:7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings. Who proclaim salvation and say, Zion, your God reigns. I remember a pastor was preaching on this. He said, Okay, let's all take our shoes and socks off and see who's got the most beautiful feet. Well, that was a pretty scary thought because some people had holes in their socks and some people had forgotten to have a shower for a day or two. So we're not going to do that today, okay? But the Bible says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? God says, Hey. What a beautiful gift that you're carrying good news into your school. You're carrying good news into our neighborhood. You're carrying good news into the shop when someone's just so overwhelmed. You say, how's your day going? Oh, it's been terrible. You've got 30 seconds to sow a seed of hope into their soul. So, hey, I'll be praying for you today that God's peace will strengthen your heart, you know. And so we could carry this wherever we go. And then it goes on and says who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. It says they proclaim peace. They don't just carry it, but they actually speak it. Peace be with you. How powerful is that? Cuts off the strife. Psalm 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Some of the versions say, and nothing will offend you. When you walk in God's peace, you become unoffendable. You say, is that possible? Well, the Bible says it can be. Because when you're walking in peace with God, peace with yourself, and peace with others, you can become unoffendable. Say, oh, that's impossible. I get offended so easily. The whole social media and the woke world today is all about, well, if it offends me, I'm going to sue you. If it offends me, we're going to bring in a law to ban all that. Hey, that's a tool of the enemy just releasing that spirit of offense and your rights being trampled on. Hey, let the word of God be in our hearts. It says if you love His Lord, you will not be stumbling or offended. Wow. Doesn't mean you don't speak up for righteousness and truth and address things, but your heart's not going to be stumbled and offended easily. We have great peace in our lives when we're ministering in our God-given function. We also bring the gospel of peace to people. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Isn't that awesome when you know you're in the right place with God and you're doing His role? You're doing what He's called you. If you're an evangelist, you just love to bring Jesus to win people to Christ. If you're an administrator, you love getting everything in order so that things can function well. If you're a teacher, you love to unpack the Word of God and bring hope to people's lives. If you're a, a mercy person, you love to help ease someone's pain and, and bring healing into their lives. How awesome when we're functioning in our God-given role, but when you're in frustration, when you're not functioning in your God-given role. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you. Well, hold on, it's a, it's a gift, you can't earn it. You have to work so hard and say, well, if I work really hard, then God's going to give me the gift of peace. No, it's nothing earned. It's a gift. It's a gift. Some of you today need to reach out and say, God, I receive the gift of peace in my overwhelmed mind. Lord, I receive your gift of peace in my relationships that are stressed. Lord, I choose to take it and receive it and declare it. It says... Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. (coughs) See here, peace is a weapon. If your mind and heart's not at peace, you are vulnerable to say dumb things, to cause strife, to get angry quickly, to make dumb choices, trying to ease the stress over your life. But when you're at peace, you're going to be able to think clearly. You're going to treat people with honor and respect. You're not going to dishonor one another. You're not going to get jealous or covetous. You're going to be able to trust God and work together. One more scripture on peace. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard Your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I just want to speak to some people here today that you love to think things through and understand it, but you overthink things and you get yourself all messed up. I won't ask for a hands up for the overthinkers, but just a nudge in the side for your friend. You'll know whether the overthinkers. Hey, our mind is a gift of God, but the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In other words, there's some things in life you will not be able to reason out. That's where it comes to trust. When it comes to the the works of the Spirit of God, sometimes you cannot quite comprehend. And people say, "Well, if I can't understand it, I'm not going to trust it." Hey, we're going to trust God's word and His ways, not just your understanding of them. That brings maturity in our lives. So if you're an overthinker, ask the Lord to show you how you can bring some more peace to your mind how you can process things in your mind and heart in a way that will bring you the level of trust and understanding that God knows you need, but it's not going to try and reason it out and hold God as a judge and saying, well, hold on, I'm not ready to respond yet because I don't get it yet. God says, hey, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. If I can't work out how this healing's going to come, but you promised that God, I'm going to just believe it and my mind will catch up in a while when understanding comes I believe that's a word for some people today that you've been wrestling to try and work out some spiritual dynamics and God says hey come on learn to trust my word and my presence and understanding will come in time we'll just touch the next one and then we'll pick it up again next week fourth one is the shield of faith I love this one the shield of it says above all Lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Wow. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world, our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus. Do you hear that? Our continuing, persistent faith. It's easy to have faith in a meeting like today. Yay. But Tuesday night at about three in the morning, When you're battling doubt and fear and you're on your own, that's when you've got to have a faith as well. Say, God, what I felt on Sunday, what your words promised me, I'm going to fight with that. Jesus said, it is written. Not what he felt. He was hungry as, but he said it is written. It says, in Jesus, the Son of God, who is the one who is victorious and overcomes the world. It's the one who believes and recognizes the fact that Jesus is the Son of God You have to activate your faith and trust in God. You've got to activate it. A little bit about the the Greek word for shield is thurios, meaning door-shaped. The large rectangular convex shield was the most common one. It was 105 centimetres in height, so a bit over a metre high. It wasn't a tiny little shield, it was a big thing. 41 centimetres in width with a thickness of 5 to 6 millimetres. It was made of timber Overlaid with seven glued-down layers of leather, it weighed between 5.8 kilos and 6.8 kilos. Was curved, giving it greater strength and the ability to wrap around the body, providing excellent protection. So it wasn't just in front; it actually curved around to the sides. This is the shields that the Apostle Paul was seeing and writing about. Metal edges and a central piece of metal gave protection to the hand and strength for pushing forward. To keep the leather supple, it was vital to treat it regularly with a sponge dripping with oil rubbed into the surface. Prior to battle, the shields were soaked in water saturating through the leather so that all the fiery darts launched at the commence of the battle would be extinguished. So the arrows would come with metals soaked in fuel and oil and they'd be lit on fire. But when they hit the shield, they were extinguished because the water and the oil would extinguish the flames. That's what it says, it will destroy every fiery arrow the enemy sends to us. This is what he was, this is the picture he understood. I love the truth that our shield of faith will quench and extinguish every fiery dart that Satan can launch at us. Wow, and sometimes when you're under attack, you've got to say, God, I'm putting up my shield of faith today. God, I need a bit of extra protection. And there's arrows flying at the workplace. There's stuff going on in relationships. You're, you're stepping out in ministry and the enemy's just trying to slow you down to distract you or stop you. Say, devil, my shield of faith's up today and I'm moving forward, not retreating. I'm moving forward in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Some of you have set out to do things for God and then you've had a few setbacks and you think, oh, this is just too hard. A few things need to happen. If God's told you to do it, don't give up. Number two, make sure you get a few people together because these shields were designed to lock together and move together as an army, not just individuals. That's really important. Make sure you've got prayer covering together so that we are overcomers in Jesus' name. Let's not pull back. Let's press forward with wisdom, with grace, and with power. And it's interesting to note that just like the Roman shield... Our faith needs the constant application of the oil of the Holy Spirit poured into our lives and the constant soaking and impacting input of the water of His Word. That's what the Apostle Paul was seeing. If faith comes by hearing the Word of God, it certainly will continue to stay strong as we continually build ourselves up in His Holy Word and in our faith. Paul informs us that every fiery dart of fear, discouragement, rejection, wounds, lies, shame, guilt, failure, pride, and you can keep on going for another 50 things, from hell will be quenched and extinguished. You think, I can't handle this barrage anymore. Hey, just keep putting the shield of faith up. Keep it moist by the word of God and the oil of the Holy Spirit and you will overcome. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You say, well, it keeps coming back. Hey, do you know the battle makes you stronger? Sometimes stuff that comes against you makes you stronger. They've done surveys of trees that are growing in a greenhouse with no wind or storms. They put them outside and they blow over within days or they snap off. But the trees that grow out there with wind and storms and sun and hail and rain, they get tougher and they keep growing strong. So sometimes a bit of challenge for your life, whether it's from the enemy, from other people, or you're good enough to do it to yourself by your thinking and your words, guess what? It can make you stronger if you don't give up. And if you get the spiritual weapons on, you're an overcomer. We are overcomers in Jesus' name. So the things that have tried to destroy you, God uses to actually make you stronger, make you more mature. And more people's lives are touched through you because you just don't give up. But you've got to have the shield of faith in place and walking forward. God wants us to be strong in the Lord. The more we serve God in the spirit, the enemy fires more arrows of doubt and fear to try and distract you or to stop you. You notice that? So I'm going to, I'm going to step up and, and lead a connect group. The next few weeks, it's all hell breaks loose. The first meeting you have starts off well and then there's chaos. You think, am I called to do this? Hey, if God's called you, don't give up because the enemy will try and distract or discourage or bring fear. But if you know it's God, walk with wisdom, walk with the team and don't give up because God has called you. The enemy just tries to slow us down. Many times Marilyn and I could have given up We've had so many challenges and battles over the years, but we've just refused because we know the truth of this. We know the Spirit of God's greater. Greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. We know that the the battle hardens us and makes us stronger, gets us more desperate to believe for breakthrough. And so don't be discouraged when you step up into a role of leadership or responsibility or serving others, that there is a battle sometimes. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and then got sent into the wilderness for a testing to make him stronger. Because he went into the wilderness full of the Spirit he came out in the power of the Spirit. So don't be discouraged if you're in a battle. Say, God, make me stronger and I'm going to be an overcomer in your name. And it's interesting to note that the more we serve, the battle comes. He will target our weaknesses to, or use our friends or family to discourage us. I'm going to serve God and someone's family will say, oh, you can't do that. You're too young, you're too old, you're too uneducated. It's not your gifts. Hey, if God's put something in you, he will help bring it to pass. That's his spirit. The battle is often fought in our minds where strongholds of thinking need to be taken down. Paul says to take hold or to seize our shield of faith. Worship team, come on up. One more thought. The shields were often linked and locked together so that the army presented any pebble war event. An attacking weapon. authority. He's saying, come on, learn unity, learn to pray and cover one another. Link your hearts and shields together that so we can be overcomers in his name. You're not on your own. The enemy will try and isolate you and separate you. But hey, that's what we need to link together. Fellowship, prayer, joining in unity and ter- purpose and team. Don't pull back, step up. Don't be discouraged. What did the Bible say? Moses said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Two of the enemy's biggest weapons is fear and discouragement. Sometimes says demonic stuff, sometimes there's um, slander and other stuff, but let me tell you, fear and discouragement are his two most favourite weapons because we fall for it way too many times. But we're getting stronger. And so it says they walk together. God has teaching the church to move forward in prayer and unity to release captives from darkness. It's not just about individuals but about an army in unity of heart and purpose. Wow. Next week we'll pick it up with Helmet of Salvation and the Sword of the Spirit and prayer. And we might finish the series next week. We'll see. One quote to finish, Smith Wigglesworth said, The devil knows if he can capture your thought life, he has won a mighty victory over you. Let's stand together. Wow. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.